Good morning. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. Every Friday here on 1150 AM KKNW, I'll be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities that are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Guaranteed. We have a new segment. We do. We'll get to it we're, momentarily. We're going to try it. Um, let's see. It's uh, been a crazy week. I seriously have no idea where I've been, except for I did get lost in the woods. So what I'd like to do- You found your way back. That's good, because we needed you to be here on the show. Yes. So. <laughs> I could be lost in the woods for quite a while, but I want to try a new segment. All right. Just going to launch right into uh, just it? La- All right. <laughs> launch right into it. Thank you, Amanda at Monroe Rocks. You are my earth angel for saving me and bringing me back to my car six miles away when I got lost in the woods at Lord Hill. You are my earth angel. Oh, yeah. That? That's good. I like that. Amanda. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I was so I was really scared. And then I come out of this beautiful woods and it's just like. We're talking about the song Strange Earth, uh, Legacy of Green, but it was like Legacy of Green, and then you walked into like a gravel pit, and I was, what? What am I going to do? Anyways, thank you so much, Amanda. Perfect. All right, one more. Thank you, Donna, for listening each week, traveling to Kauai to see me so I can take you to a Hindu temple, and then letting me go to your cabin where I need to retreat desperately in ocean shores. Love you every minute. That's good. Okay. Perfect. I think that's all I got. I got that running today. (laughs) As I was going past Walmart, thinking to myself, should I be running again all by myself? And joining us this morning is Van Connor. Good morning, Dina. So who did I call when I got all scared? Uh, You called me. You did sound a bit panicked. You said you were covered in scratches and you're all wet from falling down a hill or something. And you're like, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I am. I'm like, hold on, hold on. What? I don't even know what town she's in. I don't know. She's in near Snohomish, something called Lord Hill. It sounded like some kind of like a cult, like, you know, like. John of God. He's type blushing thing. a little bit. I and I say. ended up, but guess what? <laughs> I started okay. in Snohomish and ended up in Monroe. Wow. <laughs> We're going to have to get you a tracking device. No, that's, that's, that's why that's I brought you, this morning. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah this morning. Because she said she was jogging this morning and, and kind of had some issues and I was like tracking device. I think that's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's nothing. I think it's very safe. Yeah. It's a safe move. Everyone, I mean, if you're yeah. up in the hills, like snow, uh, what is it? Um, skiing, stuff like that, you know, right. in the back country, even though you're not supposed to. Guys, Tips. guys have one. They do. Tips so, are have your backpack, have some water, right. have your phone charged, and maybe an extra coat. And for you, a helmet with a, a flashing <laughs> light on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And siren. <laughs> All right. I like cool. it. All right. Well, um, joining us in the studio is this lovely young lady. Who is this, Van Connor? This is my daughter, Violet. Yay! <laughs> Violet's joining us in Ocean Shores, and Van wanted to have Violet on the show because we co-wrote a song together. Yes, uh, I co-wrote Legacy of Green with my dad and Dina. Oh, this is your first time and you're doing fine job. Doing a fine job. Thank you. And uh, joining us uh, on the phone is this is my brother Gary Lee Connor. Good morning, Lee. Howdy. I'm way down here in <coughs> San Angelo, Texas. Very far away from. Probably warmer <laughs> than than where we're at. But let's see. Yeah. Violet. Mm-hmm. So, what band are these? Uh, your uncle and your dad in, or were in? Screaming Trees. So growing up, did you know that? Uh, yes, I did know that. Uh, we had album art on 
the walls in our dining room, but I didn't really know how big they were until I was older. That they were actually well-known? Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see a video with them on it? Like, Yeah, I've seen a video or two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, Gary Lee, you yeah. um, and Van have been doing, there's too much to, to talk about today. You guys have done way more things than just the Screaming Trees, and you have some new stuff, and so does Van. Uh, what's what's coming out today? Oh, yeah. Today is a, a, a CD-only re-release of Food Oblivion with uh, six uh, bonus tracks. It's uh, a lot of the things that were B-sides on the singles during that time. Um, a couple originals, a couple covers. Um, and uh, it's on uh, Cherry Red. Uh, cherry, what is it? Cherry, cherry Red dot co.uk it's a uh, license from sony and uh, i believe you can get it on amazon if you look if you look on facebook on the, the, the screaming trees group and also my own this gary lee connor um uh, uh site on facebook it's uh, there's lots of posts about how, how to get it and i would definitely go it's to gary... coming out it's being released today so no you don't have to pre-order it anymore you can order it or... yeah and gary you you keep up on the facebook so you have I kind of watch your Facebook to know what's going on yeah. uh, so I can update Van. <laughs> right. I don't know what's going on. In fact, I didn't even know this is coming yeah, out. Lee probably told me. I thought it was some weird scammy thing, and I called Lee all upset, and he was like, calm no, down, They actually man. did a, a re-release of a very similar one with some B-sides of Dust about two years ago, um, you know, our, our, our last record. So this is like sort of a companion to that. Um but between the between the two of them, they'll have all the um, unreleased uh, things that were on the CD singles during that time. And aren't there? Don't you do the liner notes or something? Your interview? Yeah, and there's also yeah. Well, I, I did a, a, a interview, and also Jack and Dino did too. Um, there's a real nice booklet, a pretty long bunch of interview stuff on here, sort of the history of uh, how the record was recorded and stuff like that. That's think, cool because I can't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it was interesting doing that. I mean, it was an email interview, so I was kind of meticulous about, you know, I was like, you know, actually remembering things that I had to remember for a long time and wrote them down and then sent them to the guy, put them in here. So, um, yeah, so you might find out some stuff that you didn't know about how it was recorded if you um, get it and read that. And, Van, you have a, a song on there that wasn't released? Oh, that, maybe? yeah, that song, Maybe, I. I, I think that's on there, right, Lee? Yeah, it's maybe, and it says Van's new one in parentheses. Van's new one. That's what we called it because it never yeah. came out, except for it was on a Japanese version of, the Japanese version of vinyl, I remember, yeah, it was on right. that. Yeah, that's probably the only song that Lanigan did not sing of any Screaming Tree song, isn't it? You sang. Ever. Isn't that weird? We were just talking about that yeah. yesterday, Dina and I, and it's <laughs> like, there was never, even though, of course, you saying them all in the first place usually but <laughs> yeah but the release yeah, well, the, the pro studio well and that's what i kind of I, that's what i want to take the show to is the whole process because I, I i feel blessed that i got to do that with van and just the songwriting and then how you go into the studio and then maybe you hear it so much you don't ever want to hear it again um but yeah. right now uh, i want to ask you gary when did you yeah. first write your first song Oh, well, I started, I started out writing poetry. Like, you know, I was around 20 years old or so. Right before, we didn't really have a band or anything. Yet. And um, I, I really got into writing poems. I was really into 
I wasn't really into any poets. I was really into Bob Dylan. That was my main inspiration. For Good for you. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, and I wrote just probably hundreds of poems. And, Remember you'd you know, make those little kinda, books. Yeah, I made books of them. You know, nobody really ever read them but my mom. I kind of lost most of them now. If anyone, <laughs> maybe some of the family has <laughs> still, I don't know. But, um, yeah, and uh, about um, just about a year before we started the band, about 1984, I, I bought a, a four-track uh, cassette recorder. And that was what kind of, like, set me off to, like, actually realize that I could write a song. You know, I was like, well, I got these poems. Maybe I could, like, you know, kind of put them to music. And uh, that was what began, you know, my songwriting. And then about a year after that, when we decided... Um, got together Mark Lanigan, um, he heard some of the songs that I'd been doing on there. And even though at the time we were just kind of playing some covers, you know, we were playing Black Black covers, Jimi Hendrix covers, and we get Purple Haze and that. And uh, this was in the summer of 1985. And we were like, he was like, we could actually do original songs and not do covers. So that was kind of started that. And who sang the first original song? And what was that first song? Uh, well, in the band, Mark was, you know, the singer. So, but I, I the on all the a lot of the demos, most of the demos, I sang the song. And probably, let's see, oh, some of the earliest songs I ever wrote. Probably, let's see, I think the very first one I remember writing that Screamers ended up doing was probably "Icy Stars." Um, that was on. That's actually on Clairvoyance. You know, our first recordings were other world the ep even though that didn't come out in ssp until a little later but it was originally cassette that were recorded in 1985 and uh so i stars i think is the first one then all those songs that are on the six songs that are on uh uh other world are those a lot except for uh pictures of my mind was actually that mark and i wrote that together that was the first time i ever wrote with anybody um I remember we sat down, you know, he wrote, I think he probably wrote most of the lyrics and then he sang it. But I was, I have a really funny memory of when we first did the demos of Mark singing the, the song. I had sat him down like across from me with the four track and, you know, like basically making him sing all the songs that I sang already on the demo. And, you know, he, at the time he, he didn't, and we didn't even realize he was much, you know, could sing at all. You know, he was, he sang like at a party one time some friends of his, right? And one song. One song. He listens to other worlds. His voice is much different on other worlds. You know, it's higher. It's not really real assured. Uh, and, you know, so we're kind of like, then, you know, a few months later, we started recording uh, Clairvoyance. It's like, this guy's got sort of a good voice. And then by the time we got to the next album, we're like, geez, this is like, especially, you know, Mark's voice. So, uh, you know, that was a, you know, definitely inspiration for me, just having somebody singing the song that I was writing that was, you know, because I was, I could sing pretty good, but I never considered myself, you know, like a great singer. And I just, you know, had to... Well, I, I like your I like your stuff. Van's been playing it I, for a year or two, and I, I really like it. But it's that collaboration, you know, and people just yeah. listen to the radio and they hear a song, they have no idea the amount of work that goes into it, and mm-hmm. how, like Jack and Dino coming in at the end and... and Helping us, or just you know, it's 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 an amazing yeah. process. Yeah, Jack played drums on that song you just heard. Um, oh, really? Yeah, actually, we were recording, 
and I was like, I want drums on this. And then I just, I called um, Pickerel, our old drummer, our original drummer, and he wasn't available. So Jack, I called Jack and he lives right by the studio. So he comes down, you know how Jack was? He was like, well, I'm not sure about this. I'm like, come on, man, just play it. And he did, and it, it was like, you know, two takes. And uh, <clears throat> then he ended up mastering the record. And he mastered your last record, I know. Yeah, um, that was really great. I remember as a kid, though, a little bit different. I I remember uh, us starting. I mean, I think the creative process for songwriting for us really started when we were younger, when we used to go sneak into the audio-visual lab at Dad's school. My dad, Our dad was a school principal. Oh, yeah. Remember, and then we'd you'd try to like plug one tape machine into another, and yeah, and, and oh, multi tracking, yeah. and you blew stuff up. Like smoke would come out, and we'd big trouble. <laughs> and, a boy, yeah. yeah. Remember, we yeah. like comedy tapes. We did the like sort of yeah. comedy tapes. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, those are long gone. That was like probably quite a ways before yeah. we started the band. But, Dangerous but and insane fireworks. That I had that one guitar that. uh Silver tone with the amp in the case had the American flag handed on it. We got for like twenty five dollars at St. Vincent de Paul. That was the first guitar, electric guitar we had. But then I started buying two. Or, I bought two or three other like cheap uh, guitars at DJ's pawn shop, and that would like make you play bass or something, even though you didn't really know how to play it. And we'd like, do you remember when we used to like pretend? I guess we must have. I don't know if we lip sync and whatever. We put on um, kick out the jams or MC five, and like it was, like dress up kind of like some of the words like. Wear American flag as a cape. A cape. We wear capes. Yeah, I do. I like forgot. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's, I, we jump all over the room. That, that was pretty funny, but that was a, probably the first sort of band experience, even though it wasn't really a real band because we weren't really playing. So, but uh, I don't know how old we were. Probably you know, like I was probably like 15, 14 or fifteen. We were probably like ten. And you're five years off. So, Van, when did you write your first song? Yeah. Oh well. I think Lee maybe wrote us some songs before the four track too, because I remember possible. I don't know. we I mean, recorded "Sunshine of Your Love" oh. was the first song we ever remember. You you took two tape those little crummy tape decks that are like rectangle shaped. We had oh, two of those, right. and we 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 bounce tracks. We'd like hold one yeah. tape deck. We didn't even have a mic. Like we'd hold one tape deck here, and then I'd sing. You'd put the guitar, and then I'd sing, and then yeah, then you'd play the tape and then play the bass along mm. with it and then we bounce it back over because it like five different bounces off cassette condenser mics yeah, that were built right. into tape that. that. I forgot about that. In fact, I remember recording Icy Stars yes. that song that way before I had the four tracks but that, that was you know, probably 83 or 84. And I remember you came Holy. home, thank God for paper routes because that's where we bought a lot of our gear and our parents helped yeah. buy stuff. Yeah. But I remember coming home, you came home from your paper out, and you, we Spin Magazine just came out, and you go, look at this, man. There's this ad in Spin Magazine. You can buy these four-track things. Yeah. And I think the four-track really changed kind of our life as far as enabled us yeah. to write songs and encouraged us to do it. So if you have a recording device, it kind of changes everything, especially, I mean, kids nowadays can just sit there in their bedroom and do all the things that, that we did as a kid, and you do that the way you work now for your solo yeah. stuff. I know. And, and I'm, well, yeah, I'm working towards I that. do everything on the computer pretty much. I mean, I, I don't do, I mean, some people like really to analog stuff, but I've like, 
just everything I do nowadays is totally digital. I feel good, except for, you know, the vocal and the guitar. Hey, man, even in but, Dino's doing digital these days. So, I mean, yeah. it's it's just not... I mean, he for a while, he ran the drums through an Otari 24-track just to get the warmth. But yeah. I think he's all, in, we call it in the box now. And I just have to say, yeah. it's it's the creative outlet. It's And that's when I met Van, he was... I guess you could say writer's block, and and it's just really mm-hmm. lovely that he's writing music again and getting started. Mm-hmm. And I think what we'll do is we'll take our first break, and then we're going to bring our co-writer on, and Violet can talk about that. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. Stay tuned. Pencove Brewing Company, located in Coopville on beautiful Whidbey Island, is a small, family-friendly taproom featuring local craft beer, wine, and cider from around the Pacific Northwest. The Coopville taproom was created by two brothers, following their dream of bringing a successful business back to the community they love, one craft beer at a time. Visit pincovebrewing.com, that's pincovebrewing.com, and check out the events calendar or sign up for their newsletter to get a weekly update on upcoming local live music, special events, and promotions right on Whidbey Island. Thinking about getting away for a day or an overnight stay? Pristine Pacific Northwest Island Beauty is closer and more affordable than you may think. From unspoiled hills to uncrowded Puget Sound shoreline, from wildlife and stately evergreen forests to bald eagles and blue herons, Whidbey and Camino Islands have it all. They're both located in Puget Sound and are an easy drive from either Seattle or Vancouver, B.C. Both islands are accessible by bridge, and each island is a wonder of nature and scenic beauty to be enjoyed by the entire family. To visit this classic Pacific Northwest experience, visit WhidbeyCamanoIslands.com or like them on Facebook to see all they have to offer. You'll discover that island time is just a short drive away and can be affordably yours this weekend. Whidbey and Camano Islands, the shortest distance to far away. Aloha! Join me, Dina Marie, on the island of Kauai. Let me be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. You'll receive daily healing sessions and experience fun, interactive outings to some of my favorite places, sacred sites, secluded beaches, and sunrises that will lift your spirits. Go beyond the tour spots, meet fascinating locals, and leave with amazing memories. Retreats are based on your schedule and budget. For more information, visit liftyourspiritswithdinamarie.com. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie, and that is Legacy of Green. Our new album, Van Conner, I co-wrote. He's the singer all the way. I don't do background vocals whatsoever. <laughs> People think I'm on there. You wrote a few. I wrote background a few. vocals. Oh. Well, I'm just it was like the creative process to me that was amazing. And we were hanging out with Violet <laughs> and I saw the sticker Strange Earth 
because you have a strange earth records. And instead of watching television, I said, let's write a song. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, uh, so uh, basically, we just kind of sat around and typed, um, typed out a song. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just kind of opened the song with, Stranger, the luminous blue. I don't know. I was just thinking, you know, the Stranger sticker is pretty cool. I'm just going to add that in there for fun. Uh, I wasn't really, I didn't really think it would stick. And you <laughs> ran with it and Van couldn't type fast enough. Yeah. Yeah, everything that you, I couldn't believe it because I didn't know. I knew that you were interested in like writing and stuff, but, uh, you know, you wrote stories and everything. Um, but I was surprised I, but that's, that's actually a really great example. I remember you just have to go with it. And a lot of times starting is the first thing. Mm -hmm. And that was how nearly lost you happen. And, um, a good one example is when we were sitting around dollar bill, that song, Lee, remember, I'm not going to say how it started, but you just come up yeah. with some kind of joke. <laughs> I'm not going to say what the original words were to that, but, but yeah, uh, that cool, torn like an old cool. dollar bill, how it started was just us sitting around and Lee goes, that's cool. I'm like, was it? I was just kidding. Well, let's try it. And then it was just like how Violet did that night where we basically wrote that song in one sitting. And then the original recording of it, the demo, I can hear you guys started playing that speed card game <laughs> and I could hear you guys are in the background during the recording, like going, Oh, I lost or I won. No, this is the beauty of it. She just, you're a natural. And so we all go on a trip. This We should do this again, right? Yeah. We can right. do it again. And it's playful and it's fun. And I work with the chakra, so I have to bring it up. It's, it's that creative part of yourself that just gets you into, it's your higher chakras where you have the inspiration, right. imagination, and creativity. And at your age, I'm sure, you know, life deals, I hated high school. I'll just say it that way. Yeah. But if I had musicians and artists around me, my life was amazing. So I always encourage parents like your parents did, to encourage you to play music, encourage you to right. find that instrument and write poetry like Gary did. I mean, those things actually save people's lives. So it's, you're going to be 17? Yes, uh, soon. So you want to do communication, which now you're on the radio. You can write, yeah. you're a songwriter. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And, and I you think, said natural. And because... I think Van wants to touch on when you have kids creative, what do you do with them, Van Connor? Send them straight to college? Well, I, from our experience, like like Lee pretty much has two Gary Lee has two college degrees, you know, pretty much. But but we were really lucky because when we were kids, our mom was a musician and she encouraged us to do music and and uh, it was okay in our family. And I remember some people, our friends and one of the people in our band weren't allowed. Like sometimes he couldn't come to practice or play a show because his mom and dad would. Say, you know, oh, you got to. Yeah, it was Mark. Okay. He's like, Mark if you're listening, Mark, we love you. And, and, well, he and, was under 18, too. We yes. Started. So were you. You were both where I was older. Right. He used to get, it would be like, I got to go mow the lawn instead of play a show or practice. Remember the mow the lawn? Yeah. yeah mow the right. lawn. Um, but he would sneak out and stuff, and we ended up doing it, and he still plays. And he, he has a solo uh, career as well. Just wonderful stuff. Mark Pickerel. And and you know what? One thing that's cool is, like I said, my mom kind of passed down to us. And seeing Violet do that, it was so much like us. It was so much like us. And the real reward that you get at the end of the day 
is two things I think is is when you're driving away from the studio that last time when they're finally mixed and it's one album and you listen to it for that first time. And Dina got to experience that. Cuz in the truck, remember? It blows you away cuz you're like, so much wow, work. we just it's cuz you listen to everything so many times and then when it's finally done, you're like, wow, okay, that's cool. You know, you hope at least <laughs> that's cool. But and and when you re-listen like re-listen to songs, I had some people say you, you they hate it. And they can't redo it. I mean, and so you said when you play live, you just do it differently if you want to. I think that's... You can later on, yeah. What One thing, though, like this re-release of Sweet Oblivion, there's some songs in there that were really great songs, but the demo was better. Like, you know, I mean, the demo that Lee and I made sitting in, in a house in Fremont or something um, on an old busted piano where... I walked through the room and Lee's playing this little riff and it was called, uh, what's that? Uh, time, not time speaks for golden tongue, but silver tongue. Like silver that was tongue, the most yeah. amazing. Yeah, demo. I think that one was on the dust one, but yeah, that's not on this, but it's on that's the, right. That's all. Yeah. That's it, the dust. Beside. The dust. But there's always, yeah, you're like right. That. We never could get that right. In fact, we recorded it. Um, <laughs> it's on the B side of all I know. And then it's later on um, the re-release of Dust on the Cherry Red uh, Company. But it, we like we recorded it like for an album we didn't put out, and it just never turned out right. Then we recorded it again with Jack and Pete, or not with Jack, George Aculius when we did Dust, and it was a kind of weird, strange version. But the original version was always way better. I remember that. It was totally Rolling Stones too, and and the original one and. And yeah. I remember, I still feel like it was my fault because I didn't do the Bill Wyman style bass part. I was doing more <laughs> Grand Funk Railroad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just by the time we got to record that song with George Aculius, we had been through so many permutations and yeah. stuff. It was just kind of like he was like, "We're going to completely do it completely differently," like you know. And they he got good. like a like soul singer to sing on yeah. and stuff. And it was oh, that's right. We had like studio musicians. That was when we recorded at Capitol Records in the basement where Frank Sinatra recorded yeah. million dollar budget, like massive food. I remember okay. the food. Anyway, but, okay, <laughs> cigars, let's talk about, cigars let's talk, and food in the Here's studio. a good place to talk about overproducing. So, because Van has so much, much access to so many people and it's an amazing equipment and a sound, sound studio, we took an album and it just went way out there and it was really hard to play, you know? Yeah, that album actually has. Parts on I we stripped it back down to the we actually used the rough mixes on most of the album. The in first fact, one you did that's what we right with first ones we did and all the other instruments are not on there and Jack you know Jack had the ability like he's done with a lot of our stuff to go in and make it sound like not a rough mix but the performances and one of them I just did at home like you but my goal is to do it like you do now and and um yeah and but back to the natural thing with Violet that I mean that was a cool thing it reminded me of of Lee and I when we were kids and and I think that's kind of a really cool thing and not all kids you know like like Harry's not in or my son Harrison he's not interested in in music as much he he yeah. plays guitar he did play we used to jam he also played French horn for great French horn player years. on one of your Valis records right what I meant was not <laughs> music he's a great yeah he played on Valis record he's a great musician but he just Songwriting is just, not, he, he likes mathematics. He's a calculus professor. Now. Well, and the key no, is, he's not a professor. He's an associate. <laughs> okay, I like to call him the professor. professor. <laughs> well, Violet, More like Gilligan's Island style. 
Violet's age, which is 17, right? That's yes. where we're going. And we're talking about you at 17. Your brother's a little bit older at that time. But finding that thing your kid loves to do. If, if Harrison loves to do math, just whatever it is, get them involved in something that they're passionate about. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, we were just going to have a show on our way to Ocean Shores. And then I saw that Sweet Oblivion was coming out on Friday, which happened to be a synchronicity. And so we invited Gary on. But I think this is just a really uh, a great memory lane for you and your brother. And that you did music. I think that's changes people's lives. And, and some people go directly to school and they don't get to do their passion. You know, they don't get to right. travel. And, and I think what we're trying to say to some of the parents, you know, ask your kid what they really love. Like you're a writer. Yeah. And yeah. Violet also does art, and Lee used to do all these things too. Like, and everybody, the people in the Screaming Trees mm-hmm. did. We'd do our own album covers. Um, Lee still does that. Um, I did my album yeah. cover this time in the Last Valis album, and and also I remember Brett from Beat Happening, who's still an anacordist, and he still has the business <laughs> over there. He still sells records at his little store. Um, he said one time, I just like. To li- I said, hey, man, did you check out this new album or something? He goes, dude, I just listened to music by my friends. Mm-hmm. And that was a cool thing because Beat Happening, they were <laughs> like that. You know that's you know what I mean, Lee? Like, yeah, I just listened to music well, by my friends. I mean, I mean, that's what that's how we got into Nirvana. <laughs> it's like they were yeah, just our friends. Their friends were like, hey, these guys are really cool. Then all of a sudden, yeah. a couple years later. Remember we invited them to play in when they first started in Ellensburg because we yeah. didn't just do music. We promoted shows. We kind of started yeah. this music scene in Ellensburg with all our friends. We started recording because we had access to a studio and four tracks. We made fanzines. People, you know, it was all DIY back then. Mm-hmm. And so you guys had a yeah, traveling re- show. Well, yeah, the I Connor remember, family is a traveling show. Yeah. <laughs> you remember what actually inspired us to go down to the studio? Was there an article by, I don't, I never listened to guys music, but a uh, punk rock uh, guy named Giza X. Had an article in Spin Magazine about if you want to do a record, do it yourself. Don't you know? Don't wait for major labels. Just like you know, just completely do it DIY. And that was what you know. We've been recording on the four track, and we've been playing together with Flanagan and Pickerel and you and I. And and Pickerel was like, "There's this guy Steve Fisk, who you know has had albums. He's got got a studio. Of course, it wasn't his studio; it was Sam Albright's studio, but he worked there. And that was what inspired us. Was this article?" I don't know if you read the article. I remember I read the article, and I probably told you guys, we should go down to the yeah. studio and see what happens. And, and do you remember what I know. said? We can't just go to a recording what? studio. I think I was 17. I just go, yeah. we can't just go <laughs> to a studio and record. It sounded like so fancy or something. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Well, it was a nice studio, although it was just eight track, but still, it was, you know, they had a nice voice there. Sam, I guess he... I don't know where he got the money to do it, but it's just the all. board was a piece Very of junk. So, so when did yeah, it become? When did it become a job? You know, like Not the first it was writing music and it was kind of playful and fun, and you're blowing up things, and then you're making a band. Yeah, uh, Gary, when did it become a job? <laughs> well, One song a day. Fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, first it was fun. You know, we got signed to SST Records. Then it became more like an artistic quest. You know, it was kind of like we were making any money. But the reason we were doing it was because, like, you know, we love to write songs. We love to, not, not everyone loved to play live. But, you know, we did, some of us like to play live. I know Mark never was that into playing live, Lanigan, but, you know, he did it. And we, we toured. And then at the point, about 1989, uh, after Buzz Factory came out, we were kind of like, what is this? 
we're doing this every year. We're going on tour. We're putting out these records. We're not making any money. What should we do? And, you know, there was one idea, just give up. You know, I mean, we talked about, you know, just, just quitting. And then there was also the idea, well, we could get try to get signed to a major label. Because some of the SST bands, some of the Meat Puffs had just got signed to a major label at that point. And we're like, okay, let's give it a try. So we ended up getting Susan Silver, who found our manager, our master, and worked for six months or I don't know how long it was to try to get signed to a major label. We got signed to Epic. Well, you know, that was a big deal. We went through a lot of stuff, like Mark Pickerel quitting the band, recording Uncle Anesthesia, doing all that stuff. And, you know, then we came out with that record, and this was before Nirvana, before Pearl Jam. And we're kind of like, well, what's next? And if that, if that had been it, we probably would have done some records. Maybe we wouldn't have done anything else. But something happened, is, you know, the, the year punk broke or whatever in 1991. And uh, suddenly the kind of music we were doing was the big thing, you know. And Epic kind of realized that. And, you know, that started to become a job at that point. Although it was definitely still fun. You know, we did Sweet Oblivion, you know, we were on tour for almost an entire year in 1993. In a bus. Um, Finally got a bus at that point. Yeah, we had a tour bus, you know, so it was, making, it was easier to tour. And that was the thing with the tour bus. It's like, it cost a lot of money, but it made it so much easier to be out there for a longer amount of time. You know, it wasn't like you were stuck in this little van. Because Van but was the van man. Van was the van yeah. man? <laughs> well, I, hel- I, I was the second driver. Rod was the first driver. and But we all helped out, and we all worked really hard for whatever reason. We weren't going for any kind of money or glory. We just were like, wow, we can do this. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a lot of work, but it was fun. But uh, Yeah, it did. Be, yeah, it, it, the only time it really became not fun was after we... After, uh, after we, we had a hit. And we spent two years, 19... Well, we tried to record a record right after Sweet Oblivion, but this didn't turn out right. We went back in the studio, but Seattle was time. John Fleming and John and Yellow, people who did Sweet Oblivion. And things just weren't, we didn't, we, you know, I, nobody had been writing songs because we'd been on tour for a whole year. And we didn't have, you know, back then, we didn't have a, four, a portable four track or anything. They had portable four tracks. It's not like now where you're just like, you know, recording your phone. You can record like a multi track thing. Uh, so, you know, there was not, the songs weren't really there. And we went back to the drawing board and just kind of spent, I, I had moved out, been in the process of moving out to New York because I just got married. My wife was in New York, Janet. And, uh, but I had to spend two more years in Seattle writing songs. Sitting with me in a burning hot apartment. What was our job description? Do you remember what we, uh, what we had to do? One uh, song well, a yeah, day. That was our job. We had to write yeah. one song a day. That's what we did. And unfortunately, for different reasons I won't get into, Mark Lanigan wasn't, at, well, see, that's the thing with Sweet Oblivion is that we all got together and wrote everything together and we're like hanging out together and like practicing together. And that was like really, Sweet Oblivion is a really collaborative effort. The most, probably the most collaborative. I, I would talk about that in the uh, interview on the, that comes with the, the new disc. But, uh, but suddenly it was like not that way with that. It's the opposite. Like Mark was completely isolated. Okay, so let's talk about the creative process. Gary, the creative process. Yeah. Best albums yeah, come from you guys down. sitting around making music together, not being forced to produce. Right. See, Van would come down sometimes 
flight to Seattle, and we worked together. And then sometimes he'd just stay up. Well, you were living in Stanwood at the time, weren't you? Uh, Camino. That's where I have my house on Camino. Camino. And I, I had yeah, a room set I up would... with a studio, and I'd sit there in my bathrobe all day. And, you know, Harry was a baby. Um, Did you get a call from Lanigan every night about, like, midnight? and say, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dreaded phone call. And, and then and I would have to take him a tape. Cassettes, yeah. But the problem was, is like, you know, and I'd have to take him a tape and maybe fast food. <laughs> and then a hand yeah, would come out two the jumbo jets. Apartment, and he'd take the tape. And then tape, tape and 90% jumbo of the time, I wouldn't hear anything. Every once in a while, he'd call back the next day and say, this is great. But the thing was, we only ended up using probably, I don't know, like less than 10 of those songs because one or two of them were written right at the last minute. But uh, this was for the dust album, actually, yeah. you know, coming out. And the weird thing is, is for all the toil and hardship we went through of trying to write all the songs, the album really turned out really amazing. You know, I personally, to me, that's like probably better than Sort of Bolivian. I mean, it's just like, you know, just the songs. I don't know what it is about and the production, that, I and I think it was fun because you and I kind of went a little bit. Let's just do whatever, you know. Because when Ben Montench from yeah. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers came in, oh yeah, with two Mellotrons, yeah, like and the, I mean that was amazing. I know we're talking the Sweet Oblivion thing coming out today, but Dust to me is like the the rock record that we finally made that was like a seventies rock album or something, you know. But and George Draculius really was you know instrumental in doing that. His, production was he was a real producer like a 60s producer that got in there and really worked with songs and not just you know he wasn't an engineer he danced fact, around was, and... talking about Sweet oblivion again it was weird because working with don fleming was the first time that we'd ever worked with a producer that wasn't an engineer because Steve this was the engineer and you know, jack and Dino was the engineer and then suddenly we had an engineer john and yellow and a producer so it was quite a bit of a different vibe um, with the people who are recording the record on Sweet Oblivion than it has been before because you have the guy who's actually recording it, then you ask for somebody else who's like sort of, you know, not quite sure what they're doing, but they're involved in the pro- the creative process of God's performance. So, so when I met Van, he was struggling with writing, and I and I, the key yeah. is to have a good time. Is find other things you enjoy, so the the light yeah. bulb goes off again. But if you're sitting there forcing and trying to write, it is it's almost painful. It's frustrating for sure. But oh yeah, finding that thing you love to do. So he's hiking or, or biking or fishing, and, and and I do healing work, but it's writing music and poems and an art is just so essential right now to keep our our lights on, you know, because it's getting dark out there. But we're going to take one more break, and we'll uh, be back with Violet after the break. (laughs) You listen to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. Feeling the need to get away and reconnect with Mother Nature? Located on Whitby Island, Earth Sanctuary is a peaceful and magical sculpture garden, nature reserve, and retreat center with two miles of nature trails, three bird-filled ponds, and a variety of powerful sacred spaces, including a labyrinth, stone circles, and medicine wheels. Come and enjoy the wonders of nature and experience personal renewal, spiritual growth, and healing today. Visit earthsanctuary.org or the Earth Sanctuary on Facebook for more information. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk, 1150.
this is Dina Marie. You've heard me talking about writing songs with Mr. Van Conner. Well, I'm happy to say that our album is out now. It's called Coming Back Again, and it features songs like Legacy of Green, Silent Universe, and the title track Coming Back Again. Our album Coming Back Again is now available for streaming and purchase at your favorite online retailer, including iTunes, Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, and many more. Go to dina-marie.com. That's dina-marie.com for a full list of retailers. Watching the sunrise An ocean stands between us Look into the sky Think of second chances Look into the past thousand miles between us You know you're coming back Thank you for joining us this morning. That is, what song is that? That song's Silent Universe, and, and that seems to be a lot of people's favorite on the record for whatever reason, and it was one that, and like most of the songs that end up being good were either fun to write or it just came out, and that one just came out, um... And it reminded me of Lee and I when we wrote several, like Butterfly, which is on yeah. uh, the the new release, a new Sweet Oblivion release. Um, that song, the lyrics were originally different and kind of a joke at first. <laughs> we laughed. And when we wrote All I Know, I remember sitting there and going, let's do a song that sounds like Scooby-Doo Show or something or Banana Splits. And <laughs> it was fun, you know, and, and we never thought they'd be on the record, you know, and... Um, Oh, it seems like that's true with almost all the songs out of what hundreds and hundreds we wrote for Dust. Most of the songs that ended up on the record were were either, "Hey man, that's cool," you know, or you know, and instantly you could tell. Or it was like, yeah, "Let's make a joke because we're so tired of being serious." And then yeah. we had to change the lyrics again. I think Sweet Oblivion had a lot of stuff like that, especially because you, me, and Mark Lanigan were all like writing stuff together and. Probably half of the songs. Well, the thing, the weird thing, I, I talk about this in the interview too, is like that about half of the songs on Sweet Oblivion didn't even have final lyrics, even after we got in the studio. And then like Mark kind of disappeared, remember, there for two or three days. Yeah, and we and jammed. Like, we just jammed. Songs and got to write the lyrics. And suddenly he came back, and we didn't go in the studio. And then we heard it a few days later, and it was like, Jesus. This is really amazing. He actually pulled it off, you know. Right. right. Did the lyrics and all the vocals, like, in a couple of days. Well, next week I have two women that I've been following for quite a while. It's Faye Wiedenhoff. She's been on the, the show. Her band Sea Star, she plays uh, acoustically in the studio. And we have Savannah Woods, and she's with Waking Maya. And I've known them for quite a while. But their music got better when they they did something a little bit life-changing, like they traveled alone or they they changed their lifestyle to where, like like I said, Savannah stays in her van and she meets all these people, but she comes back with life experience that gives her something to write about. And I think and I, I would love to encourage, you know, if you have a 17-year-old, let them travel before they go to college. Let them have some experiences because that's our life is a song, right? Make it beautiful. Make it joyful. Make it colorful. I'm almost too colorful, so I have to tone it down a lot, but... I'm, I'm kind of excited and even think about it that we could actually pro- we could write some music this weekend in Ocean Shores. Okay, that's your that's your prescription. Yeah, 
Do you have anything that you'd like to write about? Uh, I'm not really sure. I think uh, I have a few ideas, but I'm not sure how they'll go, you know? And it's good for us, too, to hear the perspective of a 17-year-old at our age. Ha ha. <laughs> Life experience. So you've heard the, the album. What do you think? I really like it. Do you share it with your friends? Uh, I don't. I don't really have that many friends, but I've <laughs> shared it with the ones I have. And I'll tell you something too. Like I wrote my book, and it was hard to give it to other people because you think they're going to judge it. And I'm at that with the, the album because it, we were at a, a different place. Uh, maybe some dark things were going on, and we were processing. Um, um, but I think it's hard sometimes to care about it after you're done with it and wonder what people are going to think about it. That's true. When you write something like that that's kind of personal, there, it, go ahead, Vi. Uh, there's also the fear that, um, that you won't, <laughs> that you will only receive criticism for it and you won't get any validation uh, for it despite um, what you went through to to produce it, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's a great insight. Yeah, that, and, and I know that I, I remember so many bands that recorded full records when we were kids and they were great and they never put them out because they always said, oh, well, you know, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. And that whole syndrome, remember that, Gary Lee? Mm -hmm. How yeah. it's not quite good enough yet. And we fell prey to that sometimes where you just have to put it out and move on to the next thing. You know. Yeah, we had two of those. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But and, and anyway, so so wow. Violet. Um, yes. So so there's I know there's other creative things you do besides uh, music. Yes. Why don't you talk about it? Uh, well, I like to draw and write. Uh, I'm planning on writing a book sometime. Uh, I have the bare idea down. Uh. I want to write multiple books, actually, and I like to draw. Uh, I might. I, <laughs> it's just fun. So. Well, and yeah. I think too when I wrote my book or even the song, it's just that very spontaneous. If you feel it, mm -hmm. write it really quick, and yeah. you might not even go back to it for months or. But as long as you can get get that process started, mm -hmm. and that's your power chakra. That's like just getting on the dance floor when no one's dancing and get it getting it taken care of. Because I think inspiration comes in waves. And when it's there, you got to, right, especially nowadays, there's so much to be depressed about. You got to grab on to anything that inspires you and get it in writing. Yeah. Or now, like uh, Gary said, you could use your phone. That's yeah. a whole, that's what Van and I did. We just had to like, oh my God, that's perfect. We have all kinds of like silly songs we didn't make, but we at least got it out so we wouldn't forget and lose that moment. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, it's probably the same way. I know, Violet, I saw some of your artwork last night. I really liked a uh, new picture that you drew. Yeah. The one that we said looks like a ghost everywhere, <laughs> different different ghosts floating around and etherealness. Um, but I know, uh, I think it's cool when people like like your uncle um, there. Um, you kind of do everything, you know. Like like I always had I'm more of a graphic arts person than an actual artist, but Lee kind of does everything and that's kind of what you need um to and, and you need people like i'm glad i have you violet and and my family and people around me who who are willing to 
you know, all pieces. Like, oh, that guy can draw. That guy can play guitar. That guy can do this. And you all come together to have this, like, kind of a cool... I always think, like Lee said, the the best people, what people think of as their best record was the most collaborative between mm-hmm. specific people. And Joe Strummer from The Clash said, you know what? The biggest mistake I ever made was splitting The Clash in half, you know, because they split in half. He said, there's something about even though we hated each other, even though we beat the heck out of each other, those four people, the original Clash guys, mm-hmm. they... He said there's something weird, this great interview. If he can look at it, it makes me want to cry thinking about it. Because he just said, you know what, man? Because he's a genius. I mean, Joe Strummer was a genius. God rest his soul. But that's what he said is, man, and the Screaming Trees were kind of like that. We fought a lot. And, you know, and family involved, it makes it even harder. Cause, but it made it better. So Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like if I don't think if, you know, sometimes it's frustrating to think, I wish I could have done this by myself or whatever. But any of the stuff we did, you know, if it wouldn't have been like only a solo album, but me or Mark or Van or something, it just never would have been the same. You know, it, it it was definitely a thing between everyone in the band that made it the way it was. Listen to the Kiss solo albums, and you'll be you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think our solo albums are way like Mark's solo stuff, Barrett's, Pickerel's, yeah. yours and mine. I think they're all really good. I that was the original I, idea. Remember. Yeah. To do like the Kiss albums on FST, but then mark it on Sub Pop, and I guess that's right. We did. I did Solomon time. Grundy. You did uh, Purple Outside. Purple Outside, which is an amazing album, um, with our little brother Patrick on drums, who later was in Vallis. Yeah. So we, I, I mean, I think all the Connors just kind of have to do something. Have like to that. be creative, and that's what I when you weren't creating, you weren't a happy human yeah. being, you know. And so getting back into music. But I, I, you have StrangerThreCords.com, and a lot of right. Gary's on there. You're on there with Vallis. Yeah, Lee's last record's on there. And I, I, I'm not that active on that label right now, but I'm kind of thinking about doing it in a little bit different way um, because it's really expensive to do vinyl. And Lee just did vinyl on his new record, which is called? Yeah, I w- yeah it's called, um, <laughs> I don't know the name of my record, Unicorn Curry. Yeah, I was so lucky to. I was originally going to try to do this, this place called Diggers Factory in France. You like get pre orders and they do the record, but I couldn't get hardly any pre orders. But then I get a, a, a message from this guy in Italy who has a small label called Vincibus Eruptum Records. And he was like, I really like to put your record on vinyl. And I was like, okay. So I printed out 300 of them, sent me 50 of them. So I got 50 of them, sell those on Bandcamp. And then he's got, you know, people in Europe ordering them to get some record stores around Italy and stuff. So, but that's the thing, you know, about nowadays with the internet. It's like I spent from 2000, probably to 2008, 2010, not doing anything. I didn't have a record label. I didn't really know what to do. I was pretty much lost as far as I was doing some songs. But then suddenly I was realizing, you know, I guess the technology and the internet kind of caught up with me. And I was like, I can do all this myself now. I can put out stuff in a you start using Bandcamp. That's my main thing I use now. Um, and put out, I put out three records in the last ten years. I put out uh, one about ten years ago, and then uh, the, the yeah, Ether Trippers record, the Van Halen Stranger, and then the amazing one, record, yeah. Months, so, and I'm lucky um, because I've been holding off on getting into Unicorn Unicorn Curry. I I you know I kind of went through some hard times this last year, but I now. I think this weekend I'm going to crank the heck out of it because I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, and your I stuff love your album. So it's contagious because I can't get it out of my head. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to end our show 
uh, with your the song that you sent me. And what's the name of that, Gary? Yeah, uh, Theodore's Flying, the first song. And if people want to purchase it or they want to get a hold of you, and, and wh- where do they go? Yeah, yeah. It's well, you can go to Gary Lee Connor at Bandcamp.com, or if you look on Facebook, you'll see my page. It's got there's a page for Unicorn Curry, and also my own page, Gary Lee Connor. And one more time, the name uh, of this song that we're going to listen uh, to? Theodore's Flying, first track on Unicorn Curry, my Sweet. latest album. Thank you for joining us. And uh, our album, you can go to dina-marie.com. Violet and Van and Connor and I have, uh, I think it's going to be fun. We'll just banter and write a song this weekend. See where it takes us. Yeah. Exactly. Any last words, Violet, Connor? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Sometimes listening in silence is is magic, so it's all good. All right, join us next week for more people, places, and activities that will lift your spirits.